I love packages at my front door <laughs> so much that when my favorite coffee company in the world started a subscription service, I signed up immediately because I love this delicious coffee. I'm talking about Zelly Beans Coffee. That's Zelly, Z-E-L-I-E, Beans Coffee. They freshly roast their coffee every single week and they grind to order. But my favorite part about Zelly Beans is that they're a mission-focused coffee. They believe in families helping families through specialty coffee. And I tell you what, they're helping me through this pandemic. But what I love is that they have new varieties all the time. There's a new Honduras Eldrazano honey process coffee that I can't wait to try. And I know that they're looking for wholesale partners. I want you to go to zellybeanscoffee.com and put in the code TALKWITHLIV. That's right. Talk with Live. You're going to get a discount. I want you to try a bag, get a subscription. Do it today. Zellybeanscoffee.com. I have three little brothers and they are a lot younger than me. In fact, most of the world doesn't even know I exist. I mean, well, when they were growing up, they didn't know because I was so old. I was already gone, but I kind of made their life. I don't know. I mean, they would like to say horrible when we were younger. I mean, I think I was just a typical sister. I was very bossy and um, I have very specific games I wanted to play like school all the time and I would make them like turn in things and I would stamp them and say that they got a F and send them to the principal's office whatever I mean what you know you know I think I was fine I was just trying to keep it real and exciting and fun there was one game that they did like that I played it was called Kool-Aid commercial literally I called it that (laughs) Which is so sad. But I would watch television a lot. And I really loved all the shows with like the Cleavers and oh, the Genie. I dream of Genie. I was trying, you know, the Adams Family, whatever, all those, the Nick at Night stuff that at the time growing up were actual real television shows. But anyway, so I'm watching these shows and every now and then there would be incredible Kool-Aid commercials and a mom would come out with a tray with those little tiny, you know, the little paper cups that you get at the dentist office or maybe at one point in your childhood, your mom would buy those paper cups for you to use to brush your teeth and you had them like at the sink. But now that you're an adult, you're like, why would I waste $25 on Dixie paper cups. They're probably four bucks. I don't know. But anyway, so my mom had these little tiny Dixie paper cups and I would run in and I would say, mom, it's time for the Kool-Aid commercial because that's what I saw on that commercial, right? The mom comes out with the tray with the little tiny cups and each little cup has like a shot of Kool-Aid, which how is that refreshing, by the way, this little tiny like two swigs of red Kool-Aid dye, which also Horrible idea for childhood. Red Kool-Aid dye is the worst as a parent. And I would, I would really get into that commercial and I loved it, loved it. So I, I did, I begged my mother all the time. I was like, mom, get a tray, do the Dixie cups, make the Kool-Aid, put on an apron. Like seriously, I put back the women's movement at least by 50 years. I was the worst. And, but 
my brothers loved it because they would get Kool-Aid in the middle of the day for no reason. Oh, all right. Here's the kicker. I would make her say certain things. <laughs> Seriously, this is horrible. I should pay for everyone in my family to go to therapy. This is awful. I mean, therapy's great, but anyway. I told her to come out and say, Kool-Aid, kids. Just like that. Just like that. And if anyone has met my mother, if you have met Vicky, <laughs> sorry. if you've met Vicky, there's not a chance. Are you kidding me right now? No flipping way. Vicky's not saying that. Well, I mean, she did. She would. Oh, because she's so kind. But that is not her nature. We could not be more opposite as humans, my mother and I. But she did it. She did it. You know, I think back to that story and I think about how interesting it is to have these thoughts in our heads, even as children growing up, as to what we decide, what we feel makes a good parent. For me, I wanted someone to fan the fantasies in my brain that I was on television. <laughs> And my poor mother, she would, she would film me and she would clap and she would come out with trays of really horrible Kool-Aid. But that's not what makes a parent, right? Those moments. Although you could argue that that is what makes a parent. I have someone today who is actually an expert in parenting, but here's what's fascinating about my guest his life growing up with quote unquote parents is not the traditional story that you're used to hearing. So I'm going to let him tell his story because he does it phenomenally. I am so proud to introduce not only an impressive athlete. I mean, when you hear all the places this man played football, we're talking UT. That's University of Texas. Anyone outside of this great state. We're talking the NFL. That's anyone outside of the country of America. That's called the National Football League <laughs> and other places. He played in, in Canada. He played, you know, uh, the European League. And now he spends his life doing incredible work for other people. And what he does for families. Oh, inspiring. Please welcome Dr. Octavius Bishop. Hello, Dr. Bishop. How are you? Good morning, Liv. How are you? I'm fantastic. I am so excited to talk to you because um, my husband grew up with you at part of his life. I know you guys didn't grow up together like since children, but high school and you played football together. Uh, were you both on the same? Okay, this is how much I don't know about football, even though I married a football player. Were you both on the same line part? Like, <laughs> it was offensive line. Were you? I, I, I think I was older than Nathan, so oh. I believe Nathan... Nathan may have played both both sides at that time, uh, so I, he was he was a young he was a young buck. <laughs> uh, wow, wow, he was he was, uh, he was a year I believe younger than yeah. me. So um, I think he played a lot more positions than I did. Because you were probably really good at a position and did it well. And Nathan, they were like, "Well, that's a big guy. We'll just move him around." Uh, <laughs> I gotta tease no, him. We've been best friends since we were sixteen, so there's still some of that like teasing that we do. <laughs> So, okay, so you played football. You went to Westfield High School in Houston. And then after that, what happened to you? Because, yes, Nathan was a year younger. My husband was a year younger than you. And then you went off and went where with your life? Yeah, so I was um, I was blessed to receive a scholarship to play at the University of Texas. I've heard of it. 
It's a little tiny school, insignificant. <laughs> I'm a Red Raider. <laughs> oh, there you go. Good. And I, I live here in, in, in Austin and in the Lakeway area. So I, I came here, kind of stayed here, played four years there, uh, was a four-year letterman, three-year starter there, all conference, played, you know, played very well uh, there. And then after that, I went on to play uh, some professional ball at some different places, uh, about four years professionally for the Oakland Raiders. I was with the Atlanta Falcons to start, played in Amsterdam, Holland in NFL Europe. They had a European league at that time. And then I also played in a league called the XFL in Chicago. I remember Nathan and I got married and we were actually living in Round Rock, which was so dumb. We were 22. Why would we live in Round Rock at 22? We should have been downtown in Austin living our life, but we were, you know, pretending we were adults. And uh, we were wa we watched you play the XFL. I think actually you got hurt in the game we were watching. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people seem to have seen that that game, but uh, that was that is true. I've had 13 surgeries, so I've I've been hurt a few times. You're good. You're you're not. Yeah, you're like listen. I'm here. So you were fantastic to watch back in the day we were always cheering you on you were so wonderful but something that nathan always talked about and every person that i know that knows you was your character and how you came across to the world and that really left an impression on my husband at a very young age obviously we're still very young but <laughs> he he always said that about you so i'm i'm curious to know when you got into the professional world of sports a lot of us fantasize about it, you know, or our kids do, our husbands do. We look up to people in sports. I have a cousin who went and played in the NFL as well. And he actually came back pretty scarred and hurt from things that he saw. What was your experience like playing professionally and across the world? Yeah, it, you know, um, professional football is, is, is interesting. It is definitely a business. I know people hear that. It is truly a business. You know, obviously you have to be uh, talented and gifted enough to be able to play it. Uh, but the game itself is, is pretty simple. You know, football wasn't the, the biggest issue for me related to professional sports. It was really trying to navigate life uh, outside of coming from the University of Texas. And, you know, I bounced around a lot. So I lived in a lot of different cities and I've seen a lot of different things. Uh, my, my upbringing, I think, would give a little bit more context to how I got to uh, professional football and even even into college. Before high school, uh, before I even met Nathan or met, met the people at, at, um, in Houston, I, I was born in Jackson, Tennessee, raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and went to high school in Houston and didn't really get there until the second half of my eighth grade year. I uh, was on the ninth grade team uh, at Westfield uh, and ended up playing football at, at Westfield. But uh, the most significant part about it is, even though I had a, a – a stellar high school career, I was on a third grade reading level going into high school. Really? Yeah. And, you know, I, I come from very humble beginnings. Wow. Uh, I, I grew up in a single parent home. My mom did the best, she, the best that she could with what she had. But, um, you know, when your mom works two and three jobs and you come home in the second grade, uh, there's some things by yourself. There's some things that you miss, right? Absolutely. And I grew, I grew up in some environments that were uh, really uh, difficult to grow up in. And moving to Houston was a godsend. It was a blessing. Coach Ballard, uh, that staff, the people, the teachers, and all the all the wonderful people I met for the first time in my life, I was in a true uh, multicultural environment. I was able to see people who were different than me. Uh, some people were well-to-do, and some people like me weren't. 
And I, it was a great environment God had provided for me to grow in because uh, I flourished in that, in, in that environment. And um, it was there where I learned that I was dyslexic. It was there where I learned that I had some learning disabilities in the ninth grade. Uh, and it was also there where I began this process of truly understanding the favor on my life. That's incredible. What, what brought you guys to, to Houston? I grew up in a very tough neighborhood and I was uh, involuntarily jumped into a street gang. Oh, no. In Milwaukee? This is in Milwaukee? No, this was, we had moved from Milwaukee back to Jackson, Tennessee. Okay, so this is in Tennessee. And, yeah, and I had um, uh, put myself in a tough, t- tough space. But I, I, I know uh, after that day, I believe the, the wheels started to turn in my mom's head. I, I was sent off one summer to go stay with my, my uncle in Atlanta. And then I came back and, and I believe she was really looking to do something different uh, because of the environment in which we were living in. Um, I was in. We were living in the same housing projects that everybody in my family basically was born into. Wow. <laughs> and she made the choice to move to Houston where uh, Nathan knows my cousin. Uh, Demuncy. Oh, yeah. So my cousin was here. Um, she had had twins and they were here. So we moved and followed them to Houston. Praise God for that. Cause that's, oh, I yeah. mean, that's, that's amazing. So you, you leave Tennessee, you come to Texas and did you have anyone significant? I mean, it sounds like you had a really great experience from the beginning when you got here, but was there anybody that really stood out to you? Faculty, student, anybody that really kind of just took you under that you never had before? At Bamboo Middle School, it, the process began, but I wasn't very aware. I was so uh, shy, somewhat uh, kind of, you know, s- skeptical about what was taking place. It was a new environment. But it was when I got to high school. I remember playing basketball one day in the summer, and this was before two days. And uh, my, I was playing basketball, and I was walking down the hall, and uh, one of the coaches wanted to introduce me to uh, Co- Coach Ballard, and I had a chance to meet Coach Ballard. And I, he – he, he asked me, he said, son, would you like to come out for football tomorrow? And I said, coach, my mom's not going to let me play football. <laughs> and he asked me where, he asked me where I lived. And I, I felt immediate shame because I didn't grow up with a home phone. We lived in some apartments and we didn't have a home phone. And I um, was trying to tell him where I lived. He asked to call my mom and I said, well, I don't have a home phone. Uh, the unique thing about the favor of God is that there's a conversation between Coach Ballard and my mom that was had, and I don't know what they talked about. All I know is my mother said, you need to jump the fence. Uh, a coach is going to pick you up in a black truck. And there was Coach Gunther, Steve Gunther, and uh, you're going to go to football practice. And that is how the story began uh, related to my football career. And from there, uh, my my academics would, would really uh, grow significantly. I would start out high school and resource classes on below level classes. And by the time I left high school, I was able to go pretty much to any college I wanted to in the country uh, for a football scholarship. That's unbelievable. That, I mean, so your mother, does she just walk around beaming? I mean, like, was she just beaming with pride? She sounds like an incredible woman though. Like obviously your favor from God started with, I would say with your mom. I mean, you were blessed to have this incredible strong woman who raised you. What is the th- what is the story about her that that you just keep in your heart that you're like this is my mom this is the best story I can tell about her and who she yeah. is as a woman? Yeah, high school truly um, started. My mom started to flourish uh, even even in her life as God began to bless me. He also began obviously to bless her, 
And my mom actually worked in the school cafeteria at Westfield. Oh, I uh, love in that. The, in, 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 in the free lunch line. But her second job was at McDonald's. And my, my, my after school job and after football practice job was at McDonald's with her. <laughs> so I remember this period of time um, as I began to get more successful in football, but also have more success in the classroom because my environment was, uh, was very wholesome. It's very uh, supportive. I had a lot more resources than, I, than I've ever had before. My mother began to begin to flourish and she began to see that, that, that all that she's prayed for uh, was starting, starting to happen. So God's favor began to take shape, shape in our lives. And not, not that it was easy. You know, I, sure. I mean, some people, you know, some people work because they need to, they wanted to buy the, the, the next Nike shoes. I was working to, to, to relieve my mother uh, of, of some burden um, um, in, in our household. And people I went to school with really didn't know a lot of this, right? Uh, but it was um, very unique. Uh, but it was a, a, a beautiful time uh, between me and my mother. And my mother and I grew very tight. Uh, during this period of time, uh, because she knew I was her baby was about to leave. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. I have a senior in high school right now, and I can't even talk about it. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's it's so sad. So okay, you get a degree at UT. What did you get your degree in? So I have two degrees from UT. Okay. I graduated with a a bachelor's in social work, and then after my football career, I, I was able to obtain a a master's in social work also. Oh wow. Okay, so everything was around that. So your doctorate. Is in psychology. Is in psychology. Where did you get yeah. your doctorate from? So, so I got my doctorate out of a school out of Minnesota called Walden University. That's uh, awesome. Got my my my, my PhD um, uh, from there, and social work provided me a a understanding of what advocacy means. Mm. Um, I had a lot of advocates in a very short period of time when I didn't have a lot of advocates early on. So it was a great um, merge for me um, to. Uh, go into the school of social work at the University of Texas and to really hone some skills on advocacy. But the Lord began to press me more. Uh, I, it was also around this time where I started to feel a call to the ministry and God continued to press in me in my prayer time. And as the Holy, Holy Spirit began to speak inside of me, um, this whole notion of both God and science, God gave me a true, clear understanding that he is both, he, that he is the science, scientist and we are the ultimate science project. So, um, it was, it's really unique because so many, you know, University of Texas is very liberal yeah, uh, it is. A place, but it, it, it also, that calling also allowed me to form great relationships to be able to, to discuss my faith and be confident in my faith, uh, as I was going through that program. And so I, I, after college, I actually went and started working at a place called Crossroads Counseling and Associates. And I would, um, this was before I got my PhD. And so what I did was I would sit with uh, couples who were dealing with issues of marriage, uh, family issues, anything to do with addiction. Um, and I did a lot of work there and I realized that um, there was more I needed to know. And so I, I talked to my wife about it and my wife, uh, uh, we decided that I would go and pursue a PhD in psychology also. That's incredible. So your wife is absolutely beautiful. Your family is beautiful. I'm looking, I see these pictures behind you. And where where does she come into the story? Where did you meet her and how? She sounds yeah. like a gift from God. So <laughs> She is definitely a gift from God. With, yeah. And, and so my wife, I met my wife at, um, at church. I met her at the church that she was raised in. Uh, and I was, I, I, I was at that church for 17 years before I came to, um, 
uh, Life Austin, where, where I have a full-time position as a family pastor. So my wife and I were friends for a couple of years. Um, and, you know, I, I, was, I was on a journey back to my faith. Not that I ever lost my faith, but there was more God was doing. And she, and she grew up in the church. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, she was a beautiful, she's beautiful, always has been. But to be honest with you, at, at the time, I was really trying to sort out some things spiritually and emotionally for myself and some scar and some wounds that I was trying to help heal uh, and turn into scars so they would be beauty marks, right? Oh, I like that. <laughs> scars into beauty marks. <laughs> yeah. So my, um, so I begin to befriend her. We were on a missions trip to Costa Rica and she was on the trip. I was on a trip and I was like, wow, this, this, she has a lot of, a, a lot of drive. And, you know, as an athlete, that's a big thing. She's not an athlete at all. I believe, I don't, she didn't even know. I don't think she really even understood that I, the level I play because I didn't really say that early on. She's like, oh, so you're uh, in Little League? Yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, then she started to find out more. But That's hilarious. Um, I love it. The truth of the matter is behind it, she is strikingly beautiful physically. No, yeah, no, no question she is. About it. Yeah, it's not really a conversation. <laughs> no, no. But, but what drew me to her was – the fact that God was changing me and I was becoming attracted to her holiness. Mm. And so, so once I started to become attracted to her holiness, I began to, to see and picture her as someone who would be a lifelong partner with me along as God continued to call me uh, to the place that he was calling me. Oh, I love that. I, I had a guest earlier in the podcast i think he's like episode three same as marcus lloyd and he lives in dallas and he, he and i went to klein together we went to high school together and he was an actor in la and then he came back and he's a pastor in dallas and so we had a great conversation and he married a woman who is white and he is and he is black and I love that he shared so many beautiful things. Um, he actually does racial healing in Dallas yeah. and has for years. Um, and he had just really a beautiful perspective about what it's like being a black man married to a white woman. And the pause that he took before he decided to pursue her, he was like, man, I was sitting there and I was like, she's white. <laughs> I was like, Marcus. But it was really, it was really amazing to hear his perspective. And I know that you guys are also an interracial couple. What is that like, especially now with everything in 2020, which let's be honest. And I said this to Marcus, nothing that's happening right now in 2020 is new. None no. of this is new. And no. so, um, what, how was that for you? How, the, the experience, what year did you meet her? When did this kind of happen? Liv, thank you so much for, for asking that. Um, that question is a question that many people in my life have never asked, and they don't really understand the pause that, that I actually took. Mm -hmm. Because life would be, my, my life is beautiful now, and I would never change it. But it, it, was an, it would be an easier path to date somebody who looked, who looked more similar to me. Um, because I wouldn't, there's certain things that you don't have to deal with and, 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 and things you don't have to do. But like I said before, uh, my wife is strikingly beautiful physically and, and she's a beautiful woman and those who know her know how beautiful she is inside. But I was legitimately 100% attracted to her holiness and to where, and, and her foundation, uh, in, in God and her faith in her church, uh, her, her, and her drive. So, you know, that, that process for me was, a, it was, it's a question that I had to ask myself, um, you know, I'm married to a unapologetically black 
I'm not, not I have an unapologetically black mom. <laughs> and and my, my mom, my mom loves being black and she she raised me to be a strong black man. I'm proud to be a black man. I think there's a, a misconception many times that um, you know, when someone marries outside of their race, that they're trying to merge toward their race. No, 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 not at all. I love the texture of my hair. I love the color of my skin. I love the way that I walk and I love the way that I talk. So for, for me, she was going to have to, uh, I knew that she was strong enough mm. to deal with it. Uh, my wife will never be able to get this. And, and she would admit that she would never be able to get that growing up where she grew up in Dripping Springs. But it was evident that I was worth it. Oh, I love and that. And because I was worth it, she's worth it. Mm. And, and, and now we have the life that we have. And it's not, it, it's, people see the difference, but it's all based on the connectivity and the wholeness of our hearts related to the calling that God has in our life. I'm so grateful that you, and you know, I felt the same when I would talk to Marcus, that you didn't let the fear of others or judgment or culture, because there is culture within the black community. There's culture in the white community. There's culture as an American. There's a culture at UT, <laughs> you know, and not let, because I can't tell you how many times I have personally allowed somebody something you know like sway me i'm getting better at it the older i get i get way stronger at not letting that happen but it is hard when you're young and when you're meeting who you're going to spend the rest of your life with that's really such a testament to your character at that time of who you are as a man and i love that it's that it's something that you're proud of and that you would make the same choices you know even being here in 2020 with all that is going on. So as a father of biracial children, yes, where do you find peace with God and within this world that we're living in as a father, a black strong man with these beautiful children and dealing with the things that you deal with? Where do you find that peace? Yeah, that's that's challenging, particularly in the in the world in which we live in. Uh, though my kids are biracial, they will always be considered black. And so, and, and I'm, and I'm fine with that. And, and, and we, and and we are fine with that. I, you know, we just refuse to let them, um, though what the world says is what the world says at the end of the day, it's our job to make sure that they recognize everything else about them. So we don't limit our children in, in who they are. We dig deep, um, uh, to dig in the roots of who they are on all, on both sides. My wife's great grandfather was on the first uh, cage ball team, which is basketball, at, at Texas A&M University. And in my house, his picture, his picture with his basket with his basketball team or cage ball team is right next to my football picture. <laughs> so there, there is a true explanation uh, of who he is right there in our household. We don't run from conversations. Uh, we protect our children, but we don't run from conversations. I love that. You don't run from conversations. Yeah, we don't run from conversations because uh, biracial is biracial. And it's all it's actually a, 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 a beautiful thing. And it's a decision his mom and I have made mm -hmm. uh, to love them. And it's all centered around our faith. Our faith is more important than anything to do with our skin color or even the culture we come from or the culture in which we exist. So um, for me, it's about God centering around God. It's about character. It's about behavior. And, and more, more so today, it's about how are we treating other people, you know, and, and how do we, how do we include other people? How do, how does, how does my eight-year-old son and, and, and his sisters include their friends, right? Who, who are you forgetting about and, and why? Let's have a discussion uh, about that. 
So in this world uh, that we live today, one thing my, my kids have uh, is they, there is a, uh, there's a difference between privilege and favor. Oh, I love <laughs> right? that. Yeah, there, there's a huge difference between privilege and favor. Wow. And, and the truth I've never heard that before. That they are, um, they are privileged because of the parents they have and, and what God has blessed them with and, and what God has blessed them with in, in a lot of ways and where they are, where they live. But the favor in their lives will cause them some disruption and the favor in their lives will lead them to thrive and success. So it's, you know, we have to recognize those two. That's an issue that we're dealing with in our, in our country and understanding. So what is privileged and what is favor? We can't get to favor and understand favor if we don't understand the God in our life. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And you, you, you're a pastor currently. This is what you do for a living. How long have you been a pastor at the church that you're at? Have you always been at the same parish? No, 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 I haven't. Parish. I'm Catholic. I, 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 <laughs> at the same was, church. I was, I was like, it's not a parish. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, we, yeah, God hey, loves us all. good too. Yeah, the Catholics are good too. Um, uh, so I was, I was called to ministry probably back in 2000 and uh, way before that, and then I, I then I decided to obey. Right? <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been a professor of psychology actually since 2011. Oh wow! Yeah, so I've been so I'm also a professor. I I teach um, psychology at um, Austin Community College, and I've been doing that since 2011. But That's I incredible. um uh, I've been a, a past a pastor um, full time here for about two years, uh, go, going going on two years at at, at this church. Uh, so. Yeah. And you love it. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> so, all right. I so didn't. let me ask you this because it's easy for people to look at you and see the stardom and the athleticism and the, all the wonderful things and be like, God, you left the NFL. You left the XFL. Well, I don't think there is an XFL anymore, but anyway, <laughs> but you left all these, <laughs> you left all these things and you're a pastor, you know, you're here, you are. And you say that you heard, and I say that all the time, you know, we hear God, it, there is a, there's a movement in your soul that you cannot deny. And we try as people and you can, you push it and push it aside, but you definitely have an ache. It's not like all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, today I'm going to be a pastor today. God has been working on that for a while. And he's been, he's been, you know, gnawing at you in a good way, in a kind way. Mm -hmm. So what had a quiet down in your life for you to finally say yes to God? My own personal narcissism had to quiet down uh my my own grandiose thinking of who i wanted to be validated as versus who god valued me to be oh i love that and so so validation and value are, are not the same what had to quiet down was also the inferiority i had the complex i had without my father being there in my life uh who is back in my life now and i love very very dearly but i even played football for validation right, right. Uh, I found value because of the people God placed in my life. But that concept of being validated versus being valued, um, I had to recognize the difference in my life uh, so that so that my life didn't contradict what what God's purpose was. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that I, I feel like I should have had a notebook for this conversation. <laughs> and I'm over here going, like, yes, I need more value in my life, less validation. What, so what year was that that you finally said yes, though, to God? What year were you like, all right, fine, I get it? It was probably, it was, it was 2000, and for, for me, it was 2013, probably. So it still took a while to get to today. It took a while for me to get to that, to, sure. to, to get to that place. Um, 
I, I believe I, I let my pastor know that this was taking place. And um, it was a process leading to there. Okay, good. And your father coming back into your life, um, how, when did that happen? And, and how, how did that yeah. come to be? So I, there was a 30-year gap between my, me seeing my father again. How old were you the last time you had seen him? I was 10 years old the last time I had seen him. Okay. And then five years ago at 40, we reconnected. I was able, he was able to come and stay with me for a week. And so what, what that, that, that process, uh, you know, God has been working on me with this uh, for many, many years. So by the time my father got here, he was already forgiven for, for, for that time. Um, and my father, uh, I, don't, I don't doubt uh, the love he had for me. I, 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 really, I really don't. Uh, but the process had to start with me. Um, I couldn't change anything that happened. So I had to start with myself and allow God uh, to, to, to work in my life. And I had to be able to, to learn to give, uh, to, to receive grace, to give grace. Oh, yeah. So I love that. You know, yeah. so, you know, you know, I had to, to open up the, the departments in my, within my spirit uh, to receive it. Right. And then I had to be able to give it. So once by the time my dad got here uh, and by the time we were able to connect, he had already been forgiven. And at this point, it, it's a journey um, that he has to work through related to forgiving himself. Right. Right. And so and so it's a it, it's a very it's a process. And I'm willing to go through that process with him because I love him. And uh, I know that he loves me. I know that he adores his grand, grand grandchildren. But it's a process and a journey uh, that each of us have to go on. And God is taking him through the process of disturbing his soul, his spirit, uh, so that he is, is, feels the value of the Lord. He doesn't have to be validated by me, but to, be, to feel the value of, of the Lord in, in his own life. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a good man. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a kind man. He's funny. Um, my, my, my grandkids uh, adore him. My, my, my son definitely is always asking about Papa Fowler. And I'm just looking forward to what's to what's next but my story is what my story is and i can't change that story so i tell the story with truth uh, with conviction uh and and with the help and the unction of the holy spirit in my life so uh it's a journey it's a journey and we're working through that i think that's amazing let me ask you this um when you offer that heavy load of forgiveness because yeah. that's a that's a pretty heavy load not not everybody on the planet is asked by God to give that size yeah. of forgiveness. But sometimes sure. sometimes it happens. What was that like to actually give that type of forgiveness, that amount to someone for you, like just as a person, for your soul? Yes. For, 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 for me, it, it was a must. If I did not forgive that, I, I'm not this today. And so God, God was shaping everything that happened from a child all the way up to the point I was called to the ministry. And it's, it's really ironic. I, I grew up in a single parent home. I didn't grow up seeing people married and, and what marriage even looked like. Uh, but God decided that, that I would be a family pastor. Helping marriages and families uh, go through the dysfunction and, and the heartache of, of, of what they're, what they're dealing with. Uh, he chose me, right? Yeah, he right. God said that, your life has value uh, in it. So yeah, I, I accepted it. Once I accepted uh, what happened, uh, what was happening and where God was taking me, to forgive my, my, my father was a must. That was an, that was an automatic. That had nothing, to, that, that was not gonna be- Non-negotiable. Uh, that was non-negotiable. Yeah, it it is what it is. 
Uh, so it was, it really was a big deal. So did you actually tell him to his face? Did you have a conversation and tell your father, I forget? I still you. tell him that. You do? I still tell him That's good. I still tell him that. It's a constant conversation. I love that. As most things in the planet should be. Yeah. So so, so there's a 30-year gap, right? Right. So if there's a 30-year gap, all I, ha- all I can do, you know, all I can do and I ha- what I have to do is put myself in his shoes. What if there was a 30-year gap between me and my kids? What would I, what would I need, right? Yeah. Um, I have to uh, place myself in his shoes in order to understand what he's actually experiencing. Um, you know, I'm not in that position, so that's what I do. So what would I need to hear? What would I need to, uh, f- for me to feel free? You know, mm-hmm. what we need to free and forgiveness would, would, would be it. And you know what, a, that journey is a journey he has to continue to take. Uh, for, for for himself to to feel the fullness of God's value in his life. I love that you're you are so consciously aware to think about what it is that he needs because I think that's what a lot is lacking on this planet. We live in a country. I don't know if you know this. That's very entitled. <laughs> you know, and 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 it's all about self care and it's all about self. And so I love that that you're coming at this relationship saying, what does he need from me? Someone who has wronged you, which is what I guess you would say, or someone who hurt you. How about that? Someone who hurt you or gave you hurt in your past. And you're con- you are taking into consideration, but what can I give back to him? And I don't know if there's a better explanation of Christianity than that example right there. Sure. And I love that he's a part of your life. How does your mom handle your father being a part of your life? I think you know at this point I believe that because because I've allowed God to continue to do work in me he's also freed my mother from some of the from some of the the hurt that early on may have been there it's not even a conversation or, or even an issue she doesn't talk bad about my father Good, yeah uh, she doesn't say things she doesn't uh, have I don't feel any ill will toward toward my father she's moved on right mm-hmm. And we've and we moved on to uh, to to a, to a different space, and it's a different time and a different season. And we've changed our coats, right? I love that. And because and, and so we we change our coats and we adapt to the environment the environment we're in. We put the shoes on for the ter- for the terrain in which we have to travel. So one final question before I yeah. let you go. You're so kind to share your time with me. For someone who is in a similar situation, maybe did not grow up with the Cleavers or the Cosbys or all the other families we have, you know, elevated to these pedestals. They, you know, someone who hasn't grown up with a father or a mother or whatever their family situation is. How does someone, using your own experience, how did you discover how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to counsel others? Where, where did that come from? Where do you go? Well, I, I, I look to our uh, first earthly father, Adam. The more I, I move into the, the space of ministry and the more that God uh, presses me, he's pressing me into the areas and the gaps within our history. And um, we don't talk about what kind of father was Adam. That's true. We don't. But we don't because there's not much, there's not there's much not there. But there but God, yeah, you're right. We don't yeah, discuss it. That's pressing, pressing me into it, right? And so who was Adam? Adam is a descendant from the Lord, right. like literally. Right. So, so Adam never had to be taught math. He never had to be taught geography. Yeah. He knew where the the equilibrium of, was. He knew everything. He was given. He was given it all, but yet he disappointed the father. And so, 
Adam and Eve were the first to feel shame and guilt. And so what do we have from that? We can, what I learned is we can look to, if we don't, when there are gaps, all we can look to is the product. So what did, what did Cain hear that Abel heard? Mm-hmm. That, what, what did Cain not hear that Abel heard? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, 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 we don't know, right? right. So, so when I look to fatherhood, I, I look at it from this perspective, without having a father in the home, even though I had an earthly father, he wasn't accessible, right? I wasn't able to access him. So I had to access the Lord. I had to truly access the Lord, truly gain a better understanding as I begin to read better, understand what the word of God was saying and what God was saying to me. And what I found out is my identity has never truly ever been in any human being or anything scientific on this, on this earth. I have a spiritual DNA. So it's important for me to come out of hiding, right? Like in Genesis three and 10, yes, to come out right. of hiding, come out of hiding, place whatever needs to be placed on the plate for God to deal with and get rid of and throw into the sea of forgetfulness, all my sin. And then I'm able, then I was able to walk into the fullness of fatherhood because my, because my example is the Lord above. Right. And, and what I can, what I do, I give myself grace because Adam had to give himself grace. Yes. He he disappointed the the father. I have a father that I can talk to on earth. He walked next to our our yeah. heavenly father, right? right? They had the same stride, right? When they said mannerisms, you you talk like your dad. <laughs> it was God, right? So so I've used the word of God. I've used my intimate time understanding what the Holy Spirit is saying to me, and the uh, uniqueness of our faith uh, related to 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 really um, dismantle the emotional. Um, inconsistency within me to gain understanding and and to be vulnerable and reveal the transparency that needs to be revealed uh, so that I can actually be be the dad that, that I hope to be. Uh, I'm still on a journey. There are many, in saying all this, there are times when my wife can look at me and she can tell me, she tells me, she's like, wow, it is so evident that you didn't grow up in a house, in a household like I grew up in. Oh, wow. Because she grew, she grew up in a very traditional household. Right. But there are things that I'm missing on the earthly side, but I'm not missing them from the heavenly side. So however my home looks, it looks how it, it's beginning to look how God wants it to look. And that's my hope that it will continue to look how God wants it to look. Okay. That's incredible. So beautiful. Thank you so much for that. So where can people find you on the internet, Dr. Bishop? Is there anywhere that they can access you? They can Google Octavius. They, uh, some stuff will come up. Uh, my, my, you know, my, my dissertation is public. Uh, if they people want to go read my dissertation uh, related to my, you know, my expertise is anxiety and depression and looking for quantifying markers um, uh, through through acoustics uh, with the theory in one ear out the other ear. Do depressed people really hear what you have to say? Oh, uh, we're so gonna have my, to talk my, again. Oh, yeah, so, I love so, it. So I'm all about that that piece of it related to psych- psychology. Uh, but you can I'm on um, Twitter. Um, uh, Big O Speaks or or Octavia75 uh, is, is my Twitter or uh, you can Instagram me um, at Octavia75 uh, or even on um, Facebook you can follow me so perfect I'll make sure that we get all the things so if people want to come and talk to you if they have and I'm writing a book are I'm you a I'm writing a book yeah fantastic yeah the, the, the title the title is Will You Tie My Tie 
And um, it, it's really um, it, it, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the 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 premise is that is when you ask a young man or uh, who taught you how to tie tie, and uh, and when you ask a young man who taught you how to how to start a lawnmower, you know a lot about them. Oh, I love that. Well, we'll look forward to that. And whenever it is published and comes out, please let me know. And I will let everyone I know. You were fantastic. Thank you so much. Dr. Octavius Bishop, you have been a pleasure. You have to come again. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, thank you so much for listening to Talk To Me with Liv Harrison, the stories behind their success. I am so excited that this podcast has launched and I need your help. I need you to take a moment to subscribe. I need you to please share it on your social media platforms and with your friends and your colleagues and your kids, or maybe not your kids. And I need you to leave me a review and a rating, especially on Apple. As I build my audience these first few weeks, I really need your help. So if you enjoyed it, come back. Do that by subscribing, by sharing, by passing the word around. And until then, I'll be listening for you. Okay, fine. You'll be waiting to hear from me. (laughs) Bye, you guys. See you next time.